Isaiah Land's ceiling is the first HBCU player drafted, but his floor is being undrafted altogether. I think he's much closer to the ceiling, though. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. You see it right there at the bottom of the screen. But if you don't, that means you're on the audio side of things. And just don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. You know I appreciate you too. Now today's episode is all about Isaiah Land. To me, one of the most polarizing players in the HBCU draft class this season. See, I believe that his floor... He could be undrafted, but his ceiling is he could be the first HBCU player drafted in this year's draft. And I know that's a huge gap because I do think we see a player drafted around round three or four. I think that's a, a, a good, decent possibility. So to go from a pick in the third or fourth round to undrafted is a huge gap. But I want to answer that as we start the episode before we get into his strengths and weaknesses and then also his immediate role in the NFL. I know what you might be thinking. People love this one. You reaching for content. Things must be slow these days. Isaiah Land not getting drafted. You tripping. All right. I think he's getting drafted. But I bet you would have said those same exact things about Marquise Bell last season. And I think that Isaiah Land is a candidate for a Marquise Bell type drop. I don't think he suffers that same fate, but I do believe he is a candidate for it. So let's first define what a Marquise Bell drop is because that reference might not have been enough to, you know, to kind of, Get your memory back together. Marquise Bell is a player who went undrafted and was picked up as a priority undrafted free agent by the Dallas Cowboys out of the FAMU Rattlers, right? Ironically, the same school that Isaiah Land attended. But here's the thing. Everybody knew he was going to be selected. Everybody knew he was going to be a draft pick. There was no doubt about it. That was one of the few players who it was probably a slam dunk that was going to be drafted in the 2022 NFL draft. Many people even thought that Marquise Bell could have been the first HBCU player drafted. Everybody loved him in this sphere, right? And then he ends up going undrafted. I think that Isaiah Land has the ability to be the first overall, or the, not the first overall pick, but the first HBCU player overall that's drafted. So check one, they both have that same ceiling. But the floor, for different reasons, I think is kind of the same. I believe that he will avoid that fate, and I'll wrap it up with that. But there's two big-time, extremely logical reasons that Isaiah Land could drop to being an undrafted free agent. And I think he would be a priority undrafted free agent, but a UDFA nevertheless. Number one, he's a small player. Isaiah Land, simple and plain, is not big for his position. It's just that simple. When you look at him as an edge player, 
whether that's a 3-4 outside linebacker or as a 4-3 defensive end. He just isn't big. And it's something he's had to fight against his probably his whole career, you know, as, at least since he's been playing defensive end. I know people bounce between positions as we're younger, but since he's been a defensive end, I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, dude's small. It's one of the reasons his big-time season was like, oh, not the biggest of guys. But here's the thing. In the NFL, yes, there are exceptions of smaller players winning, but I don't know how many teams are going to bank on Isaiah Land being an exception. I think he's an exceptional player, but an exception to the rule, we will have to see. And a lot of teams are not going to want to see. They're just going to yeah, I'm going to stay away from that. Because if you look at base defenses, right, you have even and odd fronts depending on defense alignment and things of like that. But I'm going to use 3-4 and 4-3. Sorry, Ross, if you listen to this. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to use 3-4 and 4-3. You look at it as a 3-4 outside linebacker, think of a T.J. Watt. Think of a T.J. Watt for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a little small to be a, a, a Pittsburgh Steeler outside linebacker. He needs to put some weight on. I think he could do it, but he needs to put some weight on. He needs an adjustment. You look at it as a 4-3 defensive end, the guy is small. Simple and plain, he is not a big player. He's well below that size. You're looking at 238, I think, was the last place he weighed in at either the combine or his pro day. He, I think he was in the 230s. It might have been 238, 235-ish, but it was in that range. It's not the biggest player. Just not. And that's something that people will be a little risk averse and not want to touch. You have to understand that. You have to understand that the things that I'm bringing up are going to take him off of some people board. It's just about how many boards that he's taken off of. But I can guarantee you the fact that he is small for an edge player. Somebody's going to know I'm good. Then you look at the fact that he had a fall off this year. Statistically, he is not the same player, and it's not even close. The impact doesn't even compare to the to excuse me. The impact doesn't even compare to what he was able to do in 2021. And for people, that's gonna say that that defensive player of the year year was an aberration. That was the exception. That's not who he really is. You don't have to like that I'm saying these things, but I am telling you, this is what people are going to think. It's just about how many people think it. Going from the first HBCU player drafted to an undrafted free agent just means how many people are worth or willing, I should say, to take that risk. How many people are going to say, yeah, he's small, but I can do something with it. How many people are going to say we can capitalize off of that 2021 season and bring him to that form? See, if people say, I'm not worried about the size, this is a defensive player of the year, I could see him being the first HBCU player drafted. But if people say he's too small, that year was just an aberration. That's not really who he is. He's seen the fall off. I'm good. I can see him being undrafted. That's the gap. Because to you, how you react to this information likely depends on how you value his size and his dip in production. If you can get past his size and you can get past his dip in the production, you know what it is. If you can get past maybe one but not the other, then he probably somewhere in the middle. It might be a sixth round pick. But it's those two things that could really bring his stock down. But what would avoid that from happening? Because I told you he's a candidate for that drop, but I don't believe that he's going to. And, you know, this all comes from my overthinking and everything of the sort. But Marquise Bell last season, and I know it's easy to say this in hindsight, last offseason specifically. Jim Nagy, which I hated when he did this, but the head of the senior bowl, basically came out and said there's a reason we did not invite Marquise Bell to the senior bowl. 
in hindsight, that should have been something that said, oh, that's why he didn't get drafted. It makes sense now. That was a sign of things to come. Everything looks like a sign when you know the result, but that's kind of how I look at it. Even with trying to put, even looking and searching for something of the sort, I don't think that Isaiah Land had that moment. Matter of fact, he went to the Senior Bowl specifically and showed his ability to be an off-ball linebacker. And I think his ability to be an off-ball linebacker will actually silence some of those size concerns a little bit. Because now, teams who said he can't be a 4-3 defensive end for me, some of those teams are going to say, but he can be a 4-3 linebacker for me. Now, that's a different conversation. I now know he has the ability to do it. And I understand that it's just the senior bowl. I understand it's not a full season, at least a season, let alone a career worth of tape. I understand that. However, this is a developmental prospect. Isaiah Land is going to need time to develop when he gets to the NFL. What his immediate role is will be how he close the show. But no matter what that answer is, he is still going to be a player who needs to develop once he gets to the NFL. Simple and plain. So all he needs to do is show potential. For me, that's all I needed out of Isaiah Land as an off-ball linebacker. I'm not sitting here and expecting this man to be Patrick Willis. I just said, you know what? Give me a little bit. Show me a little bit that you can develop into a starter a couple of years down the line. You're going to be a third, fourth, maybe even later round pick. That's all I'm really looking for out of you. So the reason I think that he avoids that Marquise Bell drop is because he has things that directly contradict what his, I don't want to say it, he has positives that directly contradict his negatives. You want to talk about size? Well, he's shown he can play off-ball linebacker. Size is a little bit better for off-ball linebacker. You want to talk about the dip in production? Well, you had it. Let's focus on what he does well. And then also in last season, he began to come on towards the end of the year and he showed flashes of that same capabilities. So it's not like he just had a great 2021 and he was a dud in 2022 still an all-conference player he's still a very impactful player the sack numbers weren't there he dropped from 19 and a half to seven and a half so or 19 to seven and a half so the drop was there but you saw the flashes you saw a multi-sack game you saw one and a half so i guess another multi-sack game you saw those things so while you might want to knock him for these size and production attributes you can also use those same things to be in his favor as well now what are his strengths and weaknesses when we get onto the field that's a whole different conversation and that was that is what makes him a special player in general and we'll break that down as we continue with locked on hbcu before we get into that today's episode is brought to you by fan duel and fan duel is the official sports book of the locked on podcast network and the nba is heating up i was mad when the i ain't gonna say a lot to y'all mad when the lakers went up 3-1 i was but Miami did too. Are they going to close out those series in game five? Put your money down on FanDuel.com slash locked on. What about that Kings and Warriors series? Are we going, who's going to go up 3-2 now that, that, now that the series is back in Sacramento? Put your money down on FanDuel.com slash locked on. And if you were wrong the first time you put some money down, or if you're scared to just lose money and you haven't done it yet, if you're new to FanDuel, then they have the first bet no sweat, meaning even if you lose your first bet, you'll still get up to $1,000 back in free bets to try again. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. And 
as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out the NFL Mock Draft on the Locked on NFL Draft channel. They're doing great work. They have a seven-round mock draft. Every single team is represented by their local host, and you already know. Local hosts know better than everybody else. That's that's just common sense, and that's the that's the calling card of the Locked On Podcast Network. But what is the calling card for Isaiah Land? Let's break down his strengths and let's break down his weaknesses. Now, I watched three games to to get to this evaluation. I watched the Southeastern Louisiana game from 2021. I watched the UAPB game from 2021, and then I watched the what game was that last one? Then I watched the Alabama A&M game from 2022. I wanted the high of what he was able to do and then also some of the the other non-swack competition was something that I definitely value. So his biggest strength to me, his calling card to me is his quickness. And of course, because of his size, that's the easy one to kind of rely on and kind of say, oh, that's what he does really well. But I don't want to go with the the traditional up the field speed. I thought his sliding inside the tackle, so going... Most times you're going to rush outside the tackle. Let's say the tackle is my fist. This doesn't really work because both sides are the outside. But let's say that we're just going to go with outside because there's no way for me to do it because I only have two hands and I can't break down, go like this. I can't I can't do it. But anywho, so let's say you always want to rush to the left. There you go. He's on the left end. Most times you'll rush to the left and you'll see the speed from that format. But a lot of times he'll cut across the face of the def- of the offensive tackle and he'll come inside. That works wonders in the run game. It allows him to make tackles for a loss in that aspect because he shoots the gap with such quickness. The offensive linemen typically can't get their hands on him. It's really effective. And you see you see that same sort of quickness and stunts. They use that a lot in the Alabama A&M game. And it wasn't as effective. It was kind of hit or miss. But you saw the quickness. You saw the trait there, right? Because we're just focusing on traits, really, when we're talking about scouting in this, in this late into the draft. So... I'm looking at his cutting across the face, doing that. It works in the pass game. It works in the run game. One thing that does happen is he'll get sucked into a a um, a play action fake from time to time when he does that. But his quickness allows him to put the brakes on and jump back out and get to the defense or get into the the quarterback's face to try to make a play. But when you do talk about shooting up the field, when you do talk about going upfield with a traditional speed rush, he has that too, and he has a good long arm to be able to keep some offensive tackles off of him. Now, when you go into his next one, he has a high motor. So even when the the rush isn't initially successful, right? And we're going to talk about initiation when we get to the weaknesses. But if it's not initially successful and you just kind of run in the arc and you just run in the cross, he, he does a good job of not giving up on the play. Land does a good job of making sure that he spots where the offensive where the quarterback is or the running back is, excuse me, in relation to the offensive tackle, meaning if he needs to shed that block really late, he usually has enough space to be able to do that. And he has a lot of sacks from just not giving up. The quarterback could scramble, and he's right there on his behind, right there chasing down the quarterback or chasing down the running back if it's a run play, which brings me to the pursuit and his final strength. I think he's a really good run defender as a backside defensive end against the stretch. And I know that's a very specific thing, but if the play is stretching away from him, he does a good job of stepping down, making sure that he's not losing contain for a end around or something of that sort. But then he chases down the line, and I think he does a good job of, of, of tackling the running back for either a loss or a minimal gain. It's not, oh, he's a backside defender and he gets the guy seven yards down the field. 
It'll be a one, two yard game. And as a backside defensive end, that's really good. That's kind of using the quickness and the motor to create another attribute. So that's kind of a mix of the two. Now, when I look at his weakness, for me, Isaiah Land's weakness is he's, he's not big, simple and plain. So when he loses at the initiation point, when contact is initiated, if the offensive lineman wins that battle initially, he typically wins that battle all the way through. He just doesn't have the strength to overpower a guy from that position. Now, if it's a bull rush and he wins the contact, he has enough power to push a defense or push an offensive lineman back. But if they if they if they make contact and the offensive lineman gets his hand on land and they they're close, land likely is not going to do anything from that position. It's just not a strength of his. Now, one thing I will say is that if he's an off-ball linebacker, which is a very likely and realistic possibility, well, he probably won't be in that situation enough. He'll probably be able to use his quickness a lot more. Now, you'll still have to meet offensive guards and offensive tackles, but you'll have more space to operate, so your elusiveness will be able to be on better display as opposed to if you guys are just sitting right here face-to-face, -face, right? For my video, people, you're right here. It's a much bigger gap between here and here. Right, because now I can meet you. I can meet you. I can put a move on you. But if I'm right here, there's only so much I can do. Sorry for my audio. Listen, that's some of the exclusive video-only content you got. Come on over to YouTube and let me know that you came for my visual demonstration in the comments below. But those are some of his strengths and weaknesses, and I do think his one weakness will be negated a little bit or be helped a little bit by being an off-ball linebacker and having the ability to flow more and run more. But if he is an off-ball linebacker, or if he is somebody who is a rush specialist, what, I kind of spilled the beans, but you didn't probably even catch it. That's on me. But what is his role in the NFL immediately? Year one, I think he could be a pass rush specialist. And let's break down what that means as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. Isaiah Land could have an immediate impact role in the NFL. I mean, year one. Doesn't have to be three, four years down the line. I know I said he's a developmental project, and I do believe that, but I think he has a value that you can have use for in his rookie season. And that's as a pass rush specialist, a situational pass rusher, if you want to call it that. I think that's the best way to phrase it. A situational pass rusher is the way he could do this immediately. Now, I think that's really good, especially if you're a fourth, fifth, mid-round pick. To be able to come onto the field in your first year and be a pass rush specialist is a big thing. And I think that Land's first year could be a mix of Justin Houston, or not Justin Houston, James Houston. From Jackson State, of course, right? Not Justin Houston, the legend, but James Houston and Caden Ellis. Now, if you're not a Saints fan, you may not be overly familiar with Caden Ellis. And I'll get to him at the end of the show because that might actually be the best comp for what Isaiah Land could be. But James Houston is somebody that you are familiar with. And James Houston is a player who had a rookie of the year type of run, but did not play rookie of the year type of games, neither in snaps or in the amount of games played. That was the biggest thing. But he had an immediate impact when it came to stepping on the field for the Detroit Lions. Let me read off his snap counts. He only played seven games. He played 6% of the snaps in the first game, 
and 50%. Now, I'm not asking you to remember all of those numbers, but only two of those games, of the seven, he played more than half the defensive snaps for the Detroit Lions. He was a very situational pass rusher. You look at his first game, he played five snaps. Five snaps. He had two sacks in the game, but he had five snaps. So sometimes we look at how effective he was, and who's really looking to see how many snaps a player is playing, right? And I don't know if Isaiah Land's going to do that. That's historic, right? Nobody's banking on anybody to make history. But I do believe that he can come in and be a guy if it's third and long, and it's like, okay, we're going to rush the passer with you. And we kind of seen something of the sort in the senior bowl. Because when you think back to the senior bowl, Isaiah Land was an off-ball linebacker. But we already know he wants to rush the passer. He's made that crystal clear. Isaiah Land had one snap at defensive end. In the senior bowl, one snap, he had a sack. In his one attempt at rushing the passer, he was able to get to the passer and bring him down. So let's say he can translate that, and I know it's the senior bowl. I know it's just one game, not a full tape. I get it. But let's say he can translate that to the NFL of being an extremely effective pass rusher. Well, you can do that while you develop in the other aspects of your game. And I'll take that happily. So James Houston... Five snaps, 12 snaps, 21, 25, 14, 33, 30. He didn't have a lot of snaps throughout the most of, that, most of his rookie season. And hopefully he gets more snaps in his second year. But let's say Isaiah Land is a situational pass rusher in week one instead of week 10. Well, maybe we see him get to 60, 50, 43. Like maybe we see him get to those amount of snaps a little bit quicker. Then maybe the last five, six games of the year, we see him as a consistent 50 plus percent snap guy as opposed to a sporadic 50 plus snap guy for percentage wise right i think that's a very real possibility but caden ellis how, how, why do i compare him to caden ellis who is caden ellis what does caden ellis do well caden ellis is an off-ball linebacker see james houston he's a defensive end sometimes he didn't have his hand in the dirt but he's a defensive end i don't know did y'all hear that anyway maybe that was just me but Caden Ellis is an off-ball linebacker. I think that's what Isaiah Land is going to be. I really believe that Isaiah Land is going to get drafted to a 4-3 team, a team that has four defensive linemen, and he's going to end up being one of the three linebackers. That's really what I think is going to happen when it comes to Isaiah Land. But if he does that, you still have to use his pass rush ability. You have to do it. If you draft Isaiah Land and don't use his pass rush ability immediately, you are failing him as a prospect and you are not doing a good job coaching. Simple and plain. Isaiah Land, when he comes into the NFL, is best used as a pass rusher, whether that's with his hand in the dirt, whether that's standing up on the line of scrimmage, or if that's as a linebacker who blitzes a lot. You have to use his ability to rush the passer and then you can get into developing everything else. And that's where my comp for Caden Ellis comes in. I think that Caden Ellis was a guy who, not I think, Caden Ellis is a guy who played multiple linebacker positions. He played weak side and strong side linebacker. So he played both of the outside linebacker positions. When he was a weak side guy, he had a little bit more coverage responsibility. Now, when he was a strong side linebacker, and this was because of health and things of that nature, is why he bounced around. Not because he couldn't do it well. He actually just got paid. But I believe he got paid because of what he did as a strong side backer. And this is how it was explained to me. He no longer had coverage responsibility. He played run. If there was no run, he could go get the passer. 
That's exactly what I want out of Isaiah Land. See ball, get ball. That was the way it was described. See ball, get ball. If it's a running back, go get the running back. If it's a pass, go get the quarterback. It's really that simple. And I think that Isaiah Land would excel at that as he begins to develop a little bit more responsibility in the coverage game because I know that's not a strong suit for him. It couldn't be. He doesn't do it. He's a defensive end. He didn't do it that much. Even though he did at the, at the senior bowl a little bit, what I saw was a guy who knew how to sift through traffic. I saw a guy who knew how to attack, and you need to attack. If you are not using Isaiah Land as a pass rusher, if you are not using Isaiah Land to attack the football, you're failing him, and you're setting him up to fail. And he won't be a good. He probably won't be a good pro, at least in the first two years, if you're not using him in that way. And the problem with using somebody the wrong way in the first two seasons is it begins to set a mindset that I'm going to give up on this player because he is not good enough. But the truth is, you tried to use him the wrong way. You need to use him attacking the football and build up his coverage as far as practice and things of that nature. He's a developmental project. Not a developmental project, but a developmental player. Develop him. Develop him. Do not throw him out there day one to be a coverage guy. That's how I view him. And it's funny enough, I did not think that Land and Houston were going to have that same positional versatility where, oh, he could play off-ball linebacker or he could play defensive end. And we might see a situation where James Houston plays defensive end when people thought he was going to play linebacker and Isaiah Land plays linebacker when we thought he was going to play defensive end. But this should be interesting. I've given you the immediate role he could play, the strengths and weaknesses. And let's remember, we should watch for a drop, but I don't think it happens because of the reason I stated at the top of the show. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Now, on today or tomorrow's episode, Gerald Huggins is going to come on and he's going to break down some of his favorite prospects because it's draft season. You think I ain't going to have my draft HBCU guy come on the show and break down these things for you? So go ahead and check out today's or tomorrow's episode. And in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.